Hello, I'm Joss Stone. Thanks for joining me for a cup of happy. I spent the last few years singing my songs in every country in the world and been lucky enough to meet incredible people from all walks of life. What really struck me is that no matter where we are, we're all on the same mission. We're all just trying to find our version of happy. So with this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to a whole host of people to dig deeper into the what, why, and how of this emotion we call happiness. I hope that with these conversations, you discover something to help you on your own quest for happiness, possibly change your mind on a few things, and along the way, share a good old laugh with me and my guests. Today's guest is a true Renaissance man. As a musician, he's been nominated for a Mercury Prize, and he's written beautiful scores, series like BBC Human Planet and the film Mowgli. He's written comedies, creating the BBC sketch show Goodness Gracious Me. When he's not making, he's thinking deeply. So our conversation dips into spirituality and how he sees it line up with science. We also touch upon the utterly confusing realm of the quantum world. So here he is, the incredible and amazing Nitin Sawney. Hi, Nitin. Hi. (laughs) How How are you doing? You right? I'm good. I'm very hot in this room with no AC. I haven't been to there, have I? I? I went to somewhere else before. Yeah, you came to Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, that was cool. But you've but got your sari is, up. I, I can yeah, see behind you, you've got I've your I've got sari. my patchwork. Okay. I've got my colours in this house now. I've just been, I've been working on it a lot. Okay. Um, so I'm just kind of trying to put colours in the place and make it home. Amazing. That's an important <laughs> part of happiness, right? I think it is, right, especially right now, you know, mm. with everyone kind of in isolation or lockdown or whatever, everyone's kind of trying to i mean i'm doing stuff in the windows and all kinds of things just try and make it just a nicer place to to exist in so yeah and and sometimes you neglect home i think when you're traveling a lot like well you do a lot more than i do but but, you know when you travel a lot it's kind of i think it's important to feel anchored in a place that you feel comfortable in and it's really yeah and just a nice environment yeah you kind of forget to make it a special as everywhere yeah. else that you go, you know, yeah, yeah, I suppose that's what we try and do when we go to work. We're like, okay, let's make this performance as special as possible or whatever yeah. for everyone. But you go home and it's like, oh God, I forgot. I forgot yeah. to actually put the door on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No I think that's, that's absolutely right. I think because it's quite an obsessive thing that we do, you know, like playing music mm. or, you know, you you actually as a singer and, and you know, you're a real perfectionist. I've seen you at work and, and it's like, mm. from my point of view, I'm always, I, I obsess with what I'm doing. So mm. quite often you can get really you know, absorbed in that and then you neglect just the simple basics of life and just totally. making sure that when you get home, you're just having a really nice, relaxed time of it. Yeah. Mm. Um, you've now got a studio in the house, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I've, I brought it. How's well, it going? Actually, yeah, you've never been here. It's like this. So so with this studio, I kind of just before lockdown, I brought it here um, cool. from my because I've got a place in Brixton and I, I brought it just literally a few hours before lockdown happened. I, did you I kind have of, a psychic moment? I did. Or? I did. Because oh, yeah, um, Tina and Harry were saying, saying, yeah, but we're not going to go into lockdown. They've said we're not. And I said, I think we are. So we need, and literally, as we finished setting up here, they announced lockdown. So it was perfect. So, wow. so I'm actually really nicely set to kind of carry on working, which is great. That's so crazy that you had mm. that little moment. You know what's funny is I was in brooklyn in that small apartment and i was just about to move all the stuff Hmm. and um my dad called me and said you need to get out of there like now and i was like no this was before the lockdown and he was like there's gonna be a lockdown i was like don't be so silly but i'm moving anyway yeah it just happened some things just kind of happen yeah and then my mum was in florida Hmm. and she was freaking out as well so I was staying with my friend Brian in New Jersey right. and she calls me. She's like, you've got to come down here because they're going to lock everything down. Yeah. So no, they're not. Don't be silly. Don't be silly. <laughs> so I get in the car because mum's upset. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll drive 18 hours to see Mama. Did you do so, that? Um, did you really? drive that far? Yeah, wow. I did because I didn't want her to be worried, you know. And you've got, um, a, you've got a song about driving all night. Yes, actually, it's true. And it's all about love. Well, there you go. What's the point? Yeah, what's the point in um, 
in not going because you won't be able to sleep otherwise yeah. you know because you'll yeah. be worried about the person that you care about yeah absolutely. so we went and two hours after we got in the car they locked down new jersey oh wow wow so it's all mad isn't it yeah yeah so you've been in your lovely home studio making lovely songs yeah, I've been um, making two songs. of them are out, right? Yeah, this, um, so the first one, it's actually if they'd be in reverse order, it would have been "You Are Down the Road," but it's actually <laughs> uh, it's "Down the Road" that came out first, which I recorded. Well, actually, we did a video for it in um, in India in a oh, in wow. a beautiful. Oh um, my god, it's such an amazing place! I think I told you about it before. Called Varna, which is oh, yeah. in Dehradun, and oh, it's wow. such a gorgeous place. And it's um, it's where they have macrobiotic food, and they've got um, yoga every day, and you've got um, Ayurveda medicine and tibetan healing and china oh, wow. traditional chinese medicine all kinds of things the swimming pool is is natural there's no chlorine in it it's kind of natural filtration everything about the place is just so nice and varna Sounds actually means forest lovely. so it's kind of literally in the middle of a forest so um there's a, there's a guy i met there called uh, Dhruv sangari who's mm-hmm. a kavali singer and oh, wow. uh, and i know how much you must know about music Ooh. from all around the world now. And you, you, you must have heard mm-hmm. Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, who's yeah, yeah. an incredible Kavali singer, and Amazing. you've heard Kavali before. And um, mm-hmm. and Dhruv learnt from uh, Ustad uh, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. He actually learnt from him. And so he's got such an amazing and powerful voice. So mm-hmm. he's singing on Down the Road. And you met Eva, who's singing on the track as well. Oh, and Nikki's on the track, Nikki, Nikki Wells. So it's the actually clan, the you know, little families on, on it. Oh, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, I know. It's quite nice. So we kind of, um, we recorded that and then I did a track called You Are and it's interesting because a lot of people have said that it sounds like I'd predicted the future because it was kind of if because I wrote them last year and if you li- listen to the lyrics of You Are or if you listen to um, Down the Road mm-hmm. they sound like they're about this time in isolation so it literally oh, wow. is quite weird because I mean one of them is Down the Road we're getting stronger Down the Road we're getting better Down the Road yeah oh, it's yeah. kind of all mm-hmm. like that and then the other one You Are is is it sounds very much like it's about isolation if you hear the lyrics. So um, there's a lyrics video actually out um, of, of You Are, so you can see all the lyrics come up and everything. But it was, um, it was really nice to do um, Down the Road in, in, uh, in India and, and, mm. and direct a video. I, that was the first time I directed a video, so that was quite nice. Oh, really? Thought, I'm yeah. surprised at that. You're, um, you seem to have done everything, Nitin. It's I, funny. I was Jack going through. Yeah, Jack, <laughs> not even a Jack at all. Um, it's been, your life has been so full. And I, I was wondering earlier, because this whole thing is about happiness and how do people get happy and what's the psychology behind it I was wondering how you've made your decisions I have a a happiness scale that used to be called the fun scale when I was younger Um, and if anything was like if if, you know one is really terrible and not fun at all and 10 is absolutely brilliant you know as I've got older it's turned into one is miserable 10 is elated Um, so if anything's over a five I'll consider it (laughs) <laughs> but usually it has to be over a seven or an eight in order for me to do it. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm looking at your life a little bit and I'm seeing like, I know you studied law and you were an, you were an accountant yeah, for a bit, things. which is so mad. I know you're like maths guru, but I just can't imagine you as an accountant. It's funny. And <laughs> writing like comic comedian shows and goodness yeah. gracious me and yeah. then plays and then doing scores and now directing videos, how do you make your decisions? Is it based on a scale like that? Is so it about happy? It's very interesting you say this because I'm, I'm kind of, I've been reading a lot about something called universal consciousness. Mm-hmm. As you know, I'm kind of really into science and physics and stuff like that. So there's, there's this kind of idea that I've always had. I mean, I, I go with my intuition, but I think, I think musicians um, tap into something that I think of as universal consciousness. And the reason I talk about that is because there's this whole idea um, and it's called panpsychism. And the idea of panpsychism is that consciousness is a property of all matter. So, So literally everything in the universe has some degree of consciousness. Wow. And it's really interesting, this idea, because it's kind of... What, like everything, including like this table? Yeah. So it's kind of okay. the idea that inanimate objects, yeah, because we're all stardust. Everything is stardust. There's even mathematical modelling going on around this at um, 
at the Munich Center for Mathematical Philosophy and also Oxford University. So there's all these people who are kind of studying this that's as an mad. idea. So it's not just a kind of like crazy idea that's kind of pie in the sky stuff. It's kind of so I'm so, I've been really trying to focus in on uh, on the idea of intuition and connecting, connecting with stuff around me and connecting with um, the idea that music, when you open yourself up to possibilities, just music comes to you, which I think a lot yeah. of great musicians have always I said. I mean, John mm -hmm. Coltrane said it about the idea that um, music was like a bird that you catch in the air. Right. And, uh, or improvisation. The song's already was. written. You just yeah. have to be open enough to hear it. Exactly. And I, I think that's, mm. that's something I've been tapping into or feeling a lot and, and thinking about. And so what makes me happy in a way when, when I'm playing music is when I feel at my most open, I think, and when I kind of feel like I'm channeling something. Like when I'm playing, I think when I'm in my head too much and I'm kind of overthinking what I'm doing, the music mm. doesn't come. But when mm. I just let go and I feel my way around what's going on, I think, I mean, it's an interesting interpretation of happiness, but I, for me, that's what happiness is. It's when I feel connected to mm. what's around me and connected through the music that I'm making to feelings that I'm having, you know, mm. about myself and about the universe around me. So, yeah, I guess that. It's mad. I suppose we are all doing the same thing, you know, in, in a way we're linked no matter what because we're living on this earth together yeah. and we're all humans together and everything that happens happens to all of us well that reminds me of a story of something that happened to me a long time ago originally in brazil mm. when i went to uh, when i went to this place in the amazon i got taken there by a friend and and literally he said i'd like you to drink this certain thing i won't say what it was I, this concoction i'm not even sure what it was of but magical could, juice yeah they referred to it as a certain name so i okay. i had this thing and it was weird because the person said to me you may have a kind of hallucination afterward um you know when you've had it and you may black out totally so oh I my did. god did I, they tell you that before you drank it or after well, one of the, one of the things was <laughs> was just straight after, yeah. So I, oh I, I, I wasn't quite prepared, but um, anyway, oh so I had goodness. this, and it was it was fantastic because I I mean it was weird because everything became a pinhole of kind of perception, and and then mm. I I kind of collapsed apparently, and on the floor um, when I was passed out, I saw um, I had a kind of dream or a vision of this um and this this is leading somewhere so it's not so <laughs> crazy as it sounds but right. um i had this kind of vision of being in a clearing with all these kind of weird faces staring at me um that looked like kind of mini totems but they were kind of gargoyles kind of right. looking at me but they weren't threatening that i actually felt really at peace in this uh -huh. in this kind of semicircle and in front of me was a kind of almost buddha type figure and i kind of was looking at this figure and everything was kind of a a weird orangey kind of colour, amber mm -hmm. kind of thing. So this character, this Buddha-type character, held out his hand and I, I held his hand. I felt incredibly at peace and mm -hmm. a sense of belonging and feeling at home. Now, oh, it's interesting nice. what this leads to because um, because when I woke up from this crazy situation, I um, my friend actually was was picking me up so you know it was a weird connection with with his hand being outstretched as well mm. and i got up and i went outside and i threw up <laughs> which is what everyone was doing oh, and um and then he said lovely. um he said to me you know it's a weird thing with this because sometimes the significance of what you what your vision is reveals itself like a couple of weeks later literally a couple of weeks later is what he said two weeks later mm. i was in australia and I was in a place called Arnhem Land, which is north of Darwin. It's where the Yolnu clan of Aboriginal people, uh, where they live. And it's the, I think it's one of the, maybe the oldest clan in Australia of, of yeah. Aboriginal people. Anyway, I, I met a guy called uh, Mundawai Yunipingu, who was, who was a tribal elder, but also the lead singer of a band called Yothi Yindi. And he said... Um, as soon as he met me, he said, oh, I'd like to take him. He t he told the guide that he'd like to take me to a place called, I think it was called Kulkuru. Um, and it was um, 
a sacred place. No one apparently had been there for 30 years with him. He was, he'd been there, but like he hadn't ever taken anybody there for 30 years. Oh my so, God. So, um, that, that's a lot of pressure. So wow, I've been, I've been speaking to him for literally a, a few, few minutes and, and this is what happened. So I get there. He was there. like, you are the one. I know. It was quite mad. You were so chosen. I, I had my guitar with me uh-huh. and he had his guitar with him. And Aww. so we just spontaneously sat down and we just started playing together and nice. at the same point in the track, we slapped each other's hands and gave each other five. And it was just, it was just a really nice vibe. That's and cool. then he sat down and he started telling me about the, the um, sacred land and how, the, um, how all of the people, how his people, had actually walked down into the valley. And they had been going there for 80,000 years to, part, to literally to pass away in that valley. So he was telling me all this stuff. And to die? Yeah. So strangely, um, so it was a sacred. Die. It was a sacred kind of burial site as well, you know. Bloody and it was hell. also the first place that they had the yudaki, which is like we call the didgeridoo. Okay. But anyway, what was really amazing was, after a while, he was telling me all this stuff, and I'd been reading that morning in the paper about DNA and how a lot of people believed because of uh, DNA testing that maybe more people than they imagined originally came from the Aboriginal people of Australia. Mm. So, so then I was kind of fascinated by this, and um, and I hadn't thought about it since I'd got off the plane. And he he starts talking to me, and then something really weird happens. He's sitting there, and he's looking at me, and he starts to smile. And as he's smiling, it was like literally he said he he's telling me all this stuff and smiling, and and literally like a stencil. I suddenly realised that the stones around us were in the same configuration as the gargoyles had been two weeks before oh in Brazil. God. And, like, they were all in exactly the same positions and he was in the same position as the Buddha figure. And, oh and I'm looking at him and I suddenly realised that it's the same scene that I'd That's seen two crazy. weeks before. And he, he's looking at me, starts to nod, and he's smiling at me and he like holds he out his hand and he said... It's all right, mate. You're home. No. Right? Oh my God. So, no. so then I said, give me he, said, he said, "You're home. You're home." <laughs> and he said, "He said many years ago. He said you and I were brothers thousands of years ago, and we we were we came we came here. This is where we were." And Aww. he said, and he he told me all this stuff, and it absolutely blew my mind. That's so mental. he's saying all this stuff, and he's I'm I'm kind of freaked out still because I'm realizing that that was the same scene I'd seen. Did you feel like he was your brother? Did yeah, it? because he knew what was going on in my head. He right. knew. He, he oh. felt it. It was it was just an incredible moment of connection. So it kind of brings me back to that idea. Sometimes the weirdest connections can happen. I can't explain it in any scientific way. And believe me, I mean, as you know, I love science and you I'm do, not into yeah. crazy superstitious stuff or anything like that. I'm I'm really into solid you know, maths and science, you know. So I think that everything's compatible. Like the, the way I think of maths and physics, I think of them as compatible with those intuitive feelings now. I mean, well, yeah, that's yeah. why I've been really interested in some of the discoveries of, of you know, because they're, they're, they're actually mapping out consciousness. There's a guy called Johannes Kleiner and also Sean Tull from Oxford University. And they're actually mapping out mathematically how to simulate the idea of consciousness so they're kind of um they're, they're also looking at attributing i won't get into get into it but they're attributing mathematical values to uh, brain activity wow. and they're using that as a as a means to kind of really measure consciousness so it's kind of there's lots of ways in which there's there's so, um, new studies of consciousness going on and i kind of find it really inspiring and interesting yeah everything is um I suppose explainable, right? If you if you look deep enough for long enough, in a way, well, that's what I guess the theory is: is is everything's explainable. Mm. But whether it's explainable by humans, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe there will be a point where we just can't explain it anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we might need help <laughs> well, from aliens. We're, we're but there at that already. Point, we probably we probably found some aliens. Well, ninety five percent of the universe is is dark matter and dark energy combined. So most of it, I mean, only five percent of it is stuff that we understand or can, yeah. can really see. So so this but we is sure the, do try and understand the rest. <laughs> it's quite sweet, really, isn't it? It's quite cute in a way. It's like, oh, you little sweethearts trying to understand everything. I know it's, it's never going to happen. We never will. But 
It's so interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So if maths plays a part in literally every single thing, every leaf on every tree, yeah. um, every experience Fractals. that you have, Fractals. every single thing, yeah. Yeah. then does it play a part in the opportunity to be happy, I suppose? Can I it? I think so. I think, I mean, because actually you can reduce everything to a mathematical perspective. Like, for example, with tabla, you know, as you know, with tabla patterns, which is Indian Mm -hmm. classical patterns, you Mm -hmm. know, it's very satisfying when you finish one of those spoken patterns, as you know, like, um, you know, there's that one. Can you do one? Yeah. So it's like uh, you've got the one that goes. And it's kind of like, you know, you get these things which are very mathematical and you can hear the maths when yeah, you listen yeah. to it. You can but hear it's how it's it's splitting building. up the beat and it, there's little fractions yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's no, it's interesting because actually I don't believe in anyone being able to see the future, but we do know that time... Although you are and, able to see the future. Well, the time and... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've time done and space. it many times. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you keep doing it, accidentally. But the yes. thing is that time and space, we know, are, are not absolute. And that's what Einstein explained to everybody through relativity. So we know that time and space are movable. So, you know, there's the twins analogy. So if you have two twins and one of them actually goes flying off into near and approaches near to the speed of light and Mm -hmm. and manages to fly off to some distant part of the galaxy or whatever and comes back again maybe 60 years later you know the the person that he might have left behind his twin he he might have only aged five years the person who left but Mm -hmm. his twin might be 80 years old Um, and and this is a real thing because actually the closer you get to the speed of light time actually does shift so it it's kind of, and squashes. Yeah, so it's interesting. So time, and this has been measured by clocks. They've actually managed to, only to billionths of a second or whatever, but they've managed to managed to find that what I'm talking about with the twins, that actually is a reality that's measurable. And they've observed this actually right. happening. So, I mean, I suppose there's there's many truths in a way. <laughs> <laughs> there's not just one, is there? There can't be if everything's just smushable. Well, that's an interesting one as well, because the idea of many truths, um, many possibilities, many realities, yeah. um, and there's people who've talked about that as well in physics. For example, um, there's a guy called um, Hugh Everett who talked about something called the many worlds theory, and mm-hmm. um, and David Deutsch who talked about the multiverse. So the idea that every time you make a decision that the universe splits into different possibilities, and each of those possibilities is an equally valid reality. So um, it's kind of, there's lots of stuff about this. You getting good to Schrodinger's cat and all kinds of different theories. That's a crazy thought, but I believe anything's possible. So, hey, why not? So if I make a decision, yeah, there's like layers and little layers of lives going on. So there's there's, there's a little Joss somewhere doing something else. (laughs) That's so weird. Would it be possible to, to jump from one to the other and go and meet your other mate? Well, that's what Sliding Doors, that film, was about. Yeah. And also there's an old book by a guy called Isaac Asimov who wrote um, the iRobot series and all that stuff. He he actually came up with this idea about the about the multiverse and I think he wrote a book called The Gods Themselves where you could actually communicate with different parallel universes. And I think he wrote that in the 50s or 60s, a long time ago. So Did he manage to do it? I don't think it's ever happened. But I think, um, but quantum computers, uh, according to David Deutsch, are based on this theory that they're networking, check this out, with different versions of themselves. So there are these things called quantum computers, which are real, which actually exist. And the theory oh. from David Deutsch is that um, is that these quantum computers are networking with different versions of themselves to, count, to solve problems. What? Oh, oh, this is the quantum world. I mean, it's totally that bonkers. Mad. You got ideas like, um, like the so versions of themselves that haven't been made in this lifetime or or in, on this layer. Yeah. So there's like another of... layer. So like, if the creator of this computer made a different decision at that time, then another layer was made. Kind of. Yeah. I so mean, they're it's... talking to a, a little a computer well, in another world. It's not quite like that. It's kind of in bits and bytes, but it's no longer binary. So it's kind of so you have. <laughs> I won't go into it too much, but you have you have these things called um, uh, superpositions, and 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 the idea that you actually have many different versions of possibilities. So, I mean, it's based on something called Schrödinger's cat. It's a it's a theory from that. Schrödinger's cat. Schrödinger's cat, which is, I mean, do you want to know about it? 
Who's Schroding and what is this about his cat? So yeah, he he came up. You won't like this because you're an animal lover. But the, oh he no, came up, what did he do? But he didn't do anything for real. It was a thought experiment. So it was a hypothetical okay. cat. It wasn't a real cat. Okay, so he came okay. up with the idea of a cat um, uh-huh. that existed in a box, right. and he came up with the idea that if you put a radioactive substance in the box, it had a fifty percent chance of degrading, and if it degraded, it would trigger a poisonous substance that would kill the cat. But if oh. it didn't degrade, the cat w- it wouldn't affect the cat. So Why the did idea, you do that? so the For idea what? was, but he never did that. It was just a, a, a an concept. idea. It was a concept. Okay. So the idea was that until you peeked inside the box, the cat existed in three states: it existed in a state of being alive or mm-hmm. dead, or in a superposition of being both dead and alive simultaneously, which can only actually happen in the quantum world. And quantum particles behave in this way. But can that be even possible? So really, the cat is even, he's, he's dead or he's alive. It is what it is, right? They, yeah. they can't, that can't, well, this is how both of those things work. cannot be true. Well, quantum computers work on the principle that actually they are both able to, are to have three possibilities with each. So, so with, with bits and bytes, they don't just work in a binary way. They work in three ways each time. So, so you have much more possibility and they have much more c- calculation power and they do exist. They've been built. Those so things it's exist. kind of... Oh, so, that's, that's, that's smushing my brain a little bit. <laughs> it, it, that's the whole, um, the classic saying, there's your truth, there's my truth and there's the truth. Well, that, what you just said... Um, is something that I've been talking about quite a few times recently uh, in interviews because it's something called qualia. Qualia, and qualia is, is something that was discovered about 50 years ago, which is the idea of subjective experience. So, for example, if you're looking at a flower, mm. uh, like a rose, you may see it as red and I may see it as red, but mm. we may have to- totally different experiences subjectively of the colour red. Right. And so qualia uh, is like or the smell of coffee or anything. So qualia is are subjective or they are quali is the plural quale is the single singular so mm. each of us has a has a subjective experience that is unique to us of the same thing mm-hmm. so that with with anything that we experience we're, we're having our own version of it that is unique to us which is a nice idea because i mm. i like the idea that we have our own kind of um, perception yeah of, of yeah. each thing that happens to us yeah so, yeah so I suppose we can apply that theory to everything that's going on in the world. We you could, know? but that's we called could. solipsism. What's that? What's solipsism? <laughs> solipsism. Oh, it kind of taps into the idea of solipsism, which is the idea that you're the only reality. So the rest of the universe is your dream. So, oh. so it's kind of like <laughs> right, right, right. that idea. So it's kind but of... the understanding that everybody has a different perspective mm. is important, right? Because everyone does. Yeah, that's very um, true, yeah. So somebody may feel desperately depressed about this lockdown. Somebody may feel amazed by it and have it, feel rested and very much. And I've been feel noticing like there's that a lot of opportunity in it. Um, yeah, half full, half empty. Which way do you want to go? Well, I mean, it's for me, it's very difficult to be half full, seeing how many people have passed away because I constantly have been feeling sad about that every day because mm. you know i don't think we hear enough of the lives of the people who that, we, that you know, we've lost but at the yeah. same time there are it feels like the news have got bored of it now yeah i think so Do you and know what i mean like at first yeah. it was like a fear tactic yeah and now it's like oh there's a spike don't worry about it yeah and these it's people are not statistics they're real human they're beings and you know and that's mm. the thing on a personal level i try and look at look at the bright side of things and i'll i'll get on my bike in the morning or I'll go for a run and I'll kind of right. enjoy the park and stuff like that. But it's very difficult to kind of not feel like, mm-hmm. and, and this is what I mean about feeling connected to your community or to your society or the place you're in is a, a sense of loss. And yeah. and I feel that every day, you know, mm-hmm. um, and every time I hear politicians talking about somebody else passing away or whatever, or a group of people passing away, and they can just talk about this as a number. For yep. me, I really feel that number as mm-hmm. as people, and I try to meditate on that idea that these that that every single number that's being talked about is a group of lives, you know, yeah. and and it's a number of lives, and it's very important that we keep that 
you know, in our hearts, I think, because it's easy to fall into this idea of dismissing the meaning of words can become very um, trivializing or dehumanizing. Mm. And, um, and I think we need to feel the loss of humanity, you know, that happens every day. And I, I do feel that. And I think during the course of this lockdown, it's, mm. it's very important to, to, to remember that we are losing a lot of people you yeah. know, from this pl- planet. You know. Yeah, it's important. Mm. It's important so people that are going through the really, really hard part of it can feel like cared about. Yeah. It's not touching every family, but yeah. it is touching a lot of families. Well, so many people are dying alone because they On can't be own. with their families because of That's infection. Like so sad. My worst nightmare. Yeah. That's awful, awful, awful thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I now agree. I don't, I can't, I can't get my head around it, you know. So the the governments all over the world, not just one or two of them, but all over the place, have all got yeah. their different ideas of what to do. But I feel like everything got locked down to protect everyone, and it felt like this is a good decision. Yeah, forget about your money for a minute and look after the lives of the people. Yeah. But now I think they've got bored of losing money. Now. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I don't, don't think there's anymore. any economic decision that can that for me um, warrants the loss of lives when I heard that we were going into lockdown I said to friends um, okay I'm I'm done for two years as far as I'm concerned because I don't know it may be two years before people figure this stuff out and so I'm prepared to isolate you know if I need to for two years I mean Thankfully, I haven't had to do that because, you know, it's I, I feel it's relatively safe for me to go cycling or whatever. I feel very uncomfortable. I don't know about you. Sounds like you might be on the same page, but I feel really, really uncomfortable about bringing um, people together in their thousands, which is what we have done for years as a job. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. So that is literally our job yeah, yeah. <laughs> is to bring people together. Yeah. Um, rubbing shoulders, cuddling, kissing, dancing. That's mm. the point of music. Yeah. And I don't really feel good about doing that because people could die because but, of it. But what's amazing with you Sorry. is you happen to have gone all around the world and have all these incredible collaborative experiences <laughs> that you've actually got videos of <laughs> and recordings of. And, and you've I just got all finished it in time. <laughs> yeah, I know you literally it? finished. So, I mean, that's the most amazing thing because I think what you've got now and mm. in terms of that collection, because we talked about this years ago, before you actually went on your tour. Yeah, you know, that's it, how we first met, yeah, like this. Yeah. Doing a little interview for yeah. your radio show, and wasn't I was, it? I was interviewing yeah. you about it. And it's kind of, yeah. and it was like, at the time you were saying that you wanted to do this. And now you've literally done that, which is just such an inspiring feat, you know, that yeah. you have been to all these places. And I think it's, um, it's amazing because I, I told you about the fact, you know, when you came to talk to me about, you know, I'd been to quite a few yeah, countries around the world lot. and I had, but but I hadn't, you know, been to every single one and performed in every single one like you have. It's been I, mad. I think that the importance of that now is, I don't think it's ever been more important than it is right now because, you know, you've got a situation where people are feeling isolated. So to see you actually connecting with everyone in the world, you know, every yeah. country in the world. It's just so inspiring. And I think That's I can't important. wait to see I can't wait to see what you do with all of that. Because I, I, yeah. I don't know what you are doing with it. But We're gonna it's try exciting. and make a little um a little Netflix kind of thing. Maybe it won't be Netflix, but you know, like a series of all Amazing. the different experiences. Yeah. But who knows? Harry's filmed it all, so who knows what we'll do with it. <laughs> but I think it is important, um, more important than I than I realized mm. at the time. Because mm. at the time, of course, I was just there hey, you I go. wanna I want to go everywhere. There you and, yeah, go. You exactly. follow your intuition. And yeah, you just that. go with your gut. And then something amazing happens afterwards. Yeah. You, and you people need that. I think people need to remember, mm. not to realise, because people know. I mean, we all innately, we know that we're all just human beings together. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're like super left, super right, big asshole, nicest person in the world. Yeah. You know we're all human. Yeah. We know that. That's so. True. I don't think I need to teach anyone that, but I think sometimes you need to be reminded yeah. how lovely it is when people come together from different walks of life and how beautiful that can be and how bright. Well, they say death is the great leveller, but I think your tour mm. was the opposite of that. It was a real, it was a really yeah. light way of yeah. actually leveling everything out because you were absolutely equal about everything. And, and at first I was quite sceptical. I kind of thought, is that going to be possible given the politics of all these different countries and the complexity of getting yeah. to each place and actually getting through all of the 
prejudices that people have yep. about you know uh, some in some places about musicians performing about, musicians, and, about women uh, yeah and about, about women <laughs> but, but you, English you <laughs> managed to penetrate all of that and get and but cut it, through and do it which is amazing you should be so proud of yourself for that it's kind of a simple Great. thing you know like I think it felt I mean when we really really talk about it and get into it it, it can come across quite complicated um you know to yeah. navigate all of that that massive thing with all the travel and people and cultures and yeah. politics and rules and you know it's like whoa bloody hell that's stressful yeah. actually it's quite simple yeah all you have to do is go with a good heart yeah and people will recognize your good heart because yeah. they're human so yeah. they have the capacity to recognize that purely because that's what we do as humans yeah. we recognize each other yeah um we're animals at the end of the day yeah, yeah. um you know when you see two dogs first meeting they have a conversation that we don't understand, but they get it. Yeah, they yeah. know if someone's a threat and if someone's not, they yeah, know. Yeah, just like true. we, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So I go with a good feeling, and hey, it's great. And music, well, by the way, is, is the <laughs> yeah. I proved my point. <laughs> Fantastic. I did have a theory at the beginning. I was like, I believe that humans are like ninety-five percent good even maybe 98%. And there's there's those that small percentage that make such a huge splash mm. and create such upset and drama that we think that they are bigger than they are. Yeah. And we are it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are, it's just not true. One thing I think about that is that, that that's really interesting when you say that, because I, I don't necessarily think in terms of good or bad, but what I do mm. think is like a musician, I kind of think that when you play an instrument you tune your instrument and right. like I think with each of us we tune ourselves In and like maybe out. yoga or meditation or whatever yeah. you, you mm. know you do yoga and you're yeah. tuning yourself I think and then when you're with other people it's like joining an orchestra you have to tune again so if yeah. you go to another country you have to tune to the orchestra you have to tune to the new Absolutely. community and so suddenly everyone's in tune and everyone kind of can play beautiful music together. and it feels good yeah exactly you know and when something's slightly out yeah it you knocks your it. feeling, you doesn't it? it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I don't I don't think you have to be a trained musician yeah. to feel weird about an off note. Exactly. That's why all the vocals right now are auto-tuned to the max. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they found this little machine to put everyone in tune and they're like, we're using it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 For, so for that reason, I I don't normally think in terms of good or bad anymore. I think, does this feel discordant or does this feel kind of like like tuneful yeah. does this feel like it interferes with my intuitive feelings because you can hear like you said intuitively if something's in tune or not yeah absolutely yeah. um and that's making me think of the book that you started writing oh, yeah. <laughs> i know that it's not finished but isn't the um the working title is yeah. muses right muses um, yeah, yeah. yeah tell us a little bit about it I remember chatting with you about it in Florida, but it was lots of like crazy thoughts. And um, I feel like you've honed it in now. I have. I have. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it in lots of different ways at the moment. But I mean, it's really about music from the beginning of time and before we existed. So everyone thinks of music as a human construct and that we actually created music. But for me, I'm going with the idea that we discovered music and that music was already in existence from the beginning of yeah. time. So, you know, within Hinduism, people talk about the idea of Om, which is the breath of God, which is the, the drone note that you hear in Indian classical music. And yeah. it's kind of, and then you have the idea of, um, you know, you get into a lot of the scientists, physicists like Johannes Kepler or Pythagoras or Vincenzo Galilei and all these physicists who actually recognised that the planets themselves had harmonic resonance and that they actually had their own kind of tunefulness, their own music. And mm -hmm. then because Pythagoras came up with something called music of the spheres. And Pythagoras also discovered the idea that within a string, you know, for example, with a guitar string or a violin string, the reason that it works the way it does and, and we understand it is because of Pythagoras, because he actually came up with how to uh, understanding octaves and understanding integer ratios so he understood intervals like a perfect fifth or a perfect fourth or a major third or a minor third all of these things came from his understanding of of the mathematics of a string Acast recommends lgbtq plus creators who are making an impact this month and beyond tune in for your new favorite show 
Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle. And we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like Below Deck, Love is Blind, and TLC's big messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. Okay, please tell me y'all are watching this new season of 90 Day with Bilal, Emily, Mohammed. It's the messy season yet. And you know you need your gay besties to talk about all the drama and cringe jam-packed into every episode. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gays wherever you get your podcast. Reality Gays, let's blow. Acast recommends. It started with maths again? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No way. Yeah, totally. It did no. indeed start with maths. So then you get, so, so, and actually the way a keyboard works is very mathematical. Yeah, we talk about what's in tune, but the thing about what was in tune for a long time was in debate. Like Beethoven course, yeah. um, mm. had a very different sense of tuning because he had a tuning fork that was at 456 kilohertz. So right. he was, um, sorry, 456 hertz sorry right. so he he had um he had a tuning fork that was tuned to that whereas Bach would have had a, a a different tuning altogether so from baroque times to to the classical period to the romantic period within classical music you mm-hmm. actually had an evolution of the way in which pitch itself changed and then Beethoven of course he was deaf himself he eventually became deaf um, so he couldn't hear anything, but he actually was able intuitively okay. to write some of the greatest symphonies of his whole life. So he wrote he wrote the most brilliant symphonies. The Ninth Symphony was written when he was completely deaf and he couldn't hear it himself. So oh. if you if you think it was just about going it, on inside his brain, it was going on inside his brain and from oh. his memory and from his understanding from when oh. he was younger, he started to lose his his hearing from when he was about twenty two, twenty three in mm. Vienna. So he kind of so it's really interesting when you kind of look at these um, different composers and and how they what their relationship was with tuning and with the intuitive um, way in which they listen to music. So I get mm. into all of that and I also look at animals. Um, yep. And I talk about animals. They surely started before we did. Well, this is the thing because, like whales, for example, whale song, whale yeah, song actually, it, it's like a tradition. So, like they'll have their own traditional songs that they sometimes will sing in other parts of the world because whales have the best hearing of any creature. Whales mm. can hear from twenty hertz to two hundred kilohertz. So they've just got wow. a much wider hearing spectrum than we do. What's so, ours? What's is that? It a lot lower? Is ours a lot lower? Oh no, no. We go from we go from about forty hertz or fifty hertz to to about uh, maximum twenty uh, kilohertz. So oh, wow. they're ten times more than that. You know, they, so they can hear very high frequencies and very low frequencies. So mm-hmm. it's quite amazing. And then um, they have their own beautiful communal songs. And the idea is that you know. For example, animals, they, they think of sound in terms of communication, reproduction, survival. But mm-hmm. um, with music, you know, they, they do respond to it. You know, so, so you have chimpanzees that will enjoy Mozart because it doesn't feel dissonant to them and, and because a part of their brain really responds well to it or starlings that will really enjoy, um, will enjoy certain, certain music for, for sip because it actually sounds like birdsong to them. Yeah, so there are, something that they recognise. Yeah, there's a, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a sea lion called Ronan who actually is, is beat and trained that will kind of, uh, that will kind of bob up and down in time to Thriller or to, <laughs> or to you know, and if you change the tempo of it, it will continue... Yeah. The sea lion will continue to, and even a cockatoo called Snowball that dances to um, to kind of funky music. So, oh, wow. so animals do really feel, and you know, with your dogs, I'm sure yeah. they respond to certain sounds. They just yeah. chill out. And when I play the music, when I play the bass, they're like, "Yeah, I'm in." Oh, there you go. They never leave. They're just like, <laughs> "Your oh, dogs right. are very chill." Oh, yeah, you've got yeah, very chill so dogs. Cool. Yeah. Wow, that's so crazy, isn't it? I mean, of course, why wouldn't they? Yeah. You know, they make sounds like we do. Yeah, you know, absolutely. it kind of it kind of makes total sense. But but 
I mean, that that book I'm writing, I mean, it's kind of really um, looking at music from different perspectives and looking at the evolution, the true evolution of music across the world and how humans also evolved with music and looking at the first early instruments and, and so on, but also where we are now with music and what music means to us as a society now and how yeah. what we can learn from music because music is the universal language, as you know, yep, having travelled around and everyone understands music. So it's yeah. kind of... You know, that's the beautiful thing about it. And it's a great, it's like you said, it's a great leveler, but it's also, it, it also joins us. And I think that's it a very joins beautiful us. thing. I think it, if there's something about it that's quite healing. Yeah. yeah you know, so you see somebody that's, I don't know, feeling half of themselves, you know, you see them like heavy. Yeah. And all you have to do is hum. Mm. I mean, it doesn't take a lot. It really doesn't. And then the smile turns up. Honestly, watching you cool. in some of those, because I was watch your Instagram account with all those amazing experiences you had and just seeing yeah, how you connected people. to so many incredible singers as well. And you'd harmonise in different languages. And, you you know, things I was thinking, how does she know this? How has she learned it? I just it was, give it a go. I don't know what was, I'm saying. But it was really great because you, you, you did not just give it a go, but it sounded beautiful when you were singing mm. with people in all these languages. And I was thinking... Do you actually know what you're saying here? <laughs> you could be singing anything. <laughs> I started. Um, I started a little trick with myself. Yeah. So at first, I would want to know what's the song about, you know, so right. I can put in the emotion. And then I realised, no, it's more fun to not know, because then you're just learning. So I'll learn the song and I'll learn the little shapes of the sounds that I have to make, really, and just try and do it as beautifully as I can and and yeah. blend. It's yeah. all about blending when you're singing with other people. Um, so I did that and then I would ask them as we recorded the first one. So it was a surprise for me. Oh, wow. It was like fun. Wow. And this guy, oh my God, Nitin, it was so funny. This guy in Ouagadougou, he had a really funny concept, which made me feel kind of uncomfortable, but, um, he says, oh, this song is about love. I was like, cool, great. That's so nice. Um, so was it, did you fall in love or whatever I, I asked him? And he was like, no, this is about a friend of a friend story. Um, this is about a young boy that fell in love with his sister. Whoa. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we're singing a song about incest. Yeah. Great. And he's like, oh, yes, 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 but it's fine. And then he told me this story. He said, he oh said God. it was very sad because the brother and the sister were in love. And of course, the family didn't like that. So they sent the sister away. And um, she was no longer part of the family. So that was really sad. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, I guess, I guess it is sad, but. Maybe it's best that she's, you know, got faith <laughs> yeah, from him. Right. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know what to say. Oh and God. he was such a sweet, lovely guy and the song sounded really nice. <laughs> I was like, oh God, what do we do here? I just have to sing it. I'm in their, their country, in, oh, wow. in that culture. And you just don't judge, right? So he goes, wow. well, love is love. You can't, you know, you can't question that. Love is love, right? And wow. I was like, well, I guess I guess I can't argue with that. I think I that. probably would question it. But, but I wonder like... what the actual story is, yeah. you know, that yeah. poor girl. I oh mean, there, there I am being totally sexist. I'm but like, then, immediately my mind goes to this poor girl's been abused. But this is um, kind of like some kind of a weird mythological story? No, no, this is a real story. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then, I mean, there was a, there was a bunch like that. Not too many. Not right. Most of them were just lovely interesting like some of them were myths some of them were just loves love i remember i remember kind of like there, there are the strangest love stories you know like if you if you think of love poetry from keats for example like uh um isabella i don't know if you if you ever read that poem but no. it's actually literally it's just and it's a romantic poem you know keats the most romantic poet going he actually right. wrote about this woman who actually lost her she has a lover and her two brothers actually come and they don't like him and they, they basically decapitate him. And then she puts his head in a pot of basil. Oh, and no. the whole thing is about, the whole poem is about her her love for for her her partner who is in a pot head. of basil. It's like, it's just, it's a, it's a really well-known poem by Keats. So you get these kind of what? crazy love stories that can be just so trippy. And, crazy um, love. You know, yeah. But it's That's kind a of real a real thing. I guess there's also it's important not to mix up kind of weird obsessive lust 
right. with with kind of you know the idea love. of actual love. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. Actual love is a very very complicated thing because there we have qualia. There we yeah. have everyone's got their own subjective interpretation of what love is. Exactly. So it's kind of you know so That's that idea true. of what love is is going to vary from person to person and. And all the laws that govern what love is are going to change from everywhere you go. And it's incredible that you were able to be in a situation where I would actually feel really uncomfortable straight away and just go, I can't do this. I can't do this. This It's funny. I kind of, I've learned, I've learned how to just accept everyone for who they are. It's been, um, it's been interesting. Yeah. Cause I I find myself talking to people that, you know, cause of the charity visit that I did as well so the, mm. there's the collaboration which was interesting lyrically um and culturally and sonically yeah. um but the charity visit was interesting again because i spoke to people that some of them were had done really really bad things you know so i spoke to mm. these guys well they were all rehabilitated which is you know easier for me um but there were these guys in uh, venezuela who were gang members um and had been part of this project, which was rugby. Um, the the chap that had started it was like, I'm going to get these gang members to play rugby together from opposite gangs and learn discipline and respect for each other so they stop killing each other. So I'm interviewing them mm. and I know, after all the long conversations I'd had, I know these people, are they 100% have killed many people, I'm sure of it. You know, they, that is part of being yeah. in a gang. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm sat there and I'm thinking, okay, these are rehabilitated people technically, but and they've lived a very different life to me. Um, and what what happens to someone in their life for them to go and be in a gang and pick up a gun and shoot a person and what what happens there? And can we all sit and judge it? And I'm talking to them and they're just so sweet and so grateful for this man that brought rugby into their life because now they're they don't have to do that they're not afraid anymore and everything's changed for them and it's Mm. like under what circumstance would you do that yourself you know so I have to just I have to just sit and question everything and try Mm. not to be mad at everyone yeah yeah you know just like that guy did do you feel a a greater sense of kind of peace from having traveled so much and do you feel that you actually have a greater appreciation of humanity or do you feel the opposite no I do I think I think yeah I do feel I mean before I went I had my theory about the 95% good thing Mm. um so I already thought that yeah people are good I know it and I'm gonna go and prove it to myself and to the world (laughs) but yeah now I really feel it I don't just think it amazing I truly feel that and it's so nice. It's so lovely. You know, I was in Libya and looked after by a group of militia. Wow. So, and when you say that word militia, what do we feel? We feel they're clearly murderous bastards. You know, that's that's how we've been taught to feel when we hear that word. Yeah. These people were <laughs> so lovely and they were just trying to survive. And they were trying to protect also. Yeah. Yeah. And they took me to visit a group of people that were being treated differently. Oh my God, Nitin, it's mad. These people were being treated differently in a war zone. Like literally no one has anything there. Mm. No one. They're all being bombed. Mm. They're being treated differently because they have darker skin than the rest of the Libyans. So that's a really sad thought, isn't it? So anyway, these militia take me there and they're like, this is what's going on. These guys need help. They need to understand how to, you know, speak English and stuff. They're asking for... Um, help with certain things, but there's only so much protection that they can give them. But these people will lay down their lives for any of those in the refugee camp, for me, who they've just met. Mm. They will lay down their lives for you. You know, so you start to kind of look at it differently. You Mm. can't just... Some guy in Afghanistan said, what would you say if you met the leader of the Taliban? I would say nice to meet you. My name's Joss. What's yours? That's how, that's how you should approach the world because yeah. you don't know what, what's happened and how they've got to that position. We're born like a blank canvas in a way, mm. although we have our souls. We, you know, we're, things happen that make you do certain things. So I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of a crazy thought, but 
it's worked for me and I think it helps people be happier mm. in your presence and in their lives to, to feel understood. Yeah. You know, you want people to change, obviously, but they're not going to do that all the while they're hated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're only going to do that when they become loved. Yeah. Wow. I think. Amazing. Well, that's cool. <laughs> so, that's, <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> well, no, that's a great that's a great way to think. And I think yeah. it's 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 very difficult to put that into practice because for me, mm-hmm. for example, I mean, if you know, if we go into if I went into certain places, I would be really bothered by certain injustices. I would be mm. really bothered by inequity. I'd be bothered. But then All I feel it. that here. I feel that All in of England. It. It's everywhere. I feel it everywhere. And that's it's the thing, everywhere. isn't it? It's you yeah. see it everywhere. You've just got yeah. to figure out where your place is within that situation and what you can do about things where you can. Right. And, you and know, why and, people are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't you can't just go no, you wag mm. your finger at them and go, That's really mean. Yeah. That's not going to work. (laughs) You know, there are reasons to why people feel the darkness that they do feel. Yeah. Yeah, It's got to be fixed from that perspective. Mm. um, A chap yesterday told me uh, about uh, the 36 questions. Oh, God, I can't remember what it's called. There was this, um, you can look it up online if you just look up 36 questions that help you fall in love. Okay. He said he'd used it. Um, he was a professor in, or is a professor at Berkeley. I think you might have mentioned this to me before. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But if you sit and and ask these thirty six questions um, to each other, whether that be someone that you want to fall in love with, or someone mm. that you are in love with, yeah. um, or just somebody that's from, if you took people that were quite prejudiced, mm. if you you know took. I don't know, someone that hated black people, someone that hated white people and put them in a room um, and said, right, do this 30, these 36 questions. Apparently it helps people to not be so prejudiced against each other and helps people find the link because there's links everywhere. We are all the same. It really is true. It's mad. <laughs> it's absolutely mad. You know, so a guy that's fighting against Taliban, a young man, yeah, he's the same as the Taliban. It's the same. It is the same. They have so much in common, they wouldn't bloody believe it. Well, if they found themselves in a hole together with no weapons and a spliff, yeah. they'd probably be fine. Well, this is, one, this is one of the things I've always said, because people talk about national pride. And I've always said, mm. well, nationality is a product of chance. You you, you haven't contributed right. to your nationality. Yeah, you, you just you, are. You just happen to have yeah. been born on a particular landmass. You know? True, so, yeah. So the thing is, that what I think is important is to contribute to society and your culture and, mm. and the culture. And when I say your culture, that can actually, you know, I, I play flamenco guitar. I bring in right. music from India. but I love, you know, Malian music. So, right. so my culture is what I choose it to be as long as I'm not offending anyone or as long as I'm not insulting anybody. As long as you're not hurting yeah, anyone, exactly. do then, you. Yeah, then be I think free. That's, that's quite important to be able to... Mm-hmm. explore the world without feeling a sense of being distanced. And I've always said you can have more in common with somebody in Venezuela than you do with your next door neighbour, but Absolutely. you might not know it. You know, yeah. And so what happens is quite often the world is judged on the basis of proximity. People will say that, you know, we need to kind of worry about the people who are right there or, yeah. or nearby. But actually, you know, people are people. So it's kind yeah. of like, so what I think is amazing is when you've travelled, you know, mm. like you have or like I've done I mean I, like I said no one here like you have but I mean you discover basic you get back to basic humanity and and you connect with people where you can break down language barriers and you find there are lots of common ways I mean smiling and kind of like yeah. you know just just connecting on a very simple level can be very powerful I mean I, I once walked into a place I won't go into where it was but it was a certain place in South Africa that I walked into where I'd been told if I walked in there, I might get shot dead. And right. it was kind of, but I went in there and I remember kind of seeing a guy playing percussion, uh, right. play, just playing on some drums. And I started jamming with him and everyone came around. They said, you play like a local. And they nice. were all bringing me food and drink. And they were oh, all kind of, yeah, and they invited me to come back. And there were all these, so yeah. it was amazing how music is like a passport, you know, totally. in that way. Yeah. It's like a little kind of, a little piece of joy. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I was going to tell you, I don't know if I've told you this before, um, but before I met you, I 
was living in a little in a forest in a van for a bit. Um, I don't know oh, if I, I talked about that. that trip. Yeah, so I did a little trip around uh, France. I actually took the van from Devon to Spain to help Paul um, right. fix his boat. Okay. And then I I took my two dogs, and I'd, one of them had a passport, the other one didn't. Right. So that meant that I had to stay there in Europe for seven months whilst I get the other one. Oh, right. So I didn't plan it. It just kind of happened. I was like, right, okay, I guess I'm staying in Europe for six months, seven months. So um, it was so mad. Absolutely crazy. Very interesting time. In the Um, middle of the forest? Well, I ended up in the forest because my van broke down. Oh, right. And um, long story short, these people let me stay in their forest for a while. And the chap that was with me, he ended up going back home to go to work. So I was just there with, with my missy and um, right. with my Rottweiler. Mm. I used to play your song in the morning. That's I used right. to, um, Breathing Light. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I knew that before I knew you. So I used to, and I didn't know, like, I, it was on a compilation right. of, of a bunch of tracks. Yeah. And it was this, that was the track that I would play in the morning. And huh. It, I would dance around in the field with this breathing light playing and I just feel so okay. And it was always after a really scary night of sleeping mm. on my own. Wow. So it was like I'd get through the night and um, it was just me and Missy and I thought, oh God, I hope no one comes kill me in this forest, <laughs> you know. But it gave me so much like joy is the point of the story. Um, and what you do is is giving people good feeling and so essentially it's giving people happiness well you know that's amazing first of all and and thank you for telling me that story you're welcome i can't believe i've never told you that before thank you yeah it's funny that's so nice to hear but also (laughs) what is really weird about that is that indirectly it was through nelson mandela because nelson mandela i met him in south africa and i I went to interview him in his house which was an incredible experience and um and i wrote that and he's actually on the track he says we are free to be free at the beginning of that track that's his voice and yeah i recorded him at the time in his house and that's his voice but it it was his voice and his story that actually inspired the track so so and and having met him it was kind of like in a way short you know soon after i actually wrote the piece of music so it's wow. kind of it's and quite, it gave me so much freedom well, it, it made, and he says we're free, free to be free at the yeah, end yeah, of yeah. that you know and and uh, he says oh. it at the end of his book as well but it's kind of yeah there you go so that's so clever isn't it wow yeah, it's, mad. it's mad that um <laughs> that somebody so far away from me um, and then someone that you met, like all these connections have happened, yeah. have given me that feeling, not just me, but a lot of people. So, yeah. you know, we can learn something from that. You know, we've had, we have an opportunity as musicians, but as humans mm. to affect people's feeling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and that can go good and bad. Yeah. yeah. So it's really up to us. Yeah, we. I, I think really that's feel very that. True. Yeah, you I know. mean, um, Maya Angelou said, you know, it's it's people remember you for how you make them feel, mm. and I think um, it's it's interesting that she actually said that because I mean, you know, incredible, very inspiring woman, um, and I just think it's it's amazing, you know, to, to bear that in mind because when we are in conflict with people, or if we are in a situation where. Um, where we're trying to change somebody's mind or we're trying to get them to see a different perspective, you're not going to do it by bullying or by being aggressive or by no. because people just will dig their heels in more. But if yeah. you actually just talk to them on a human level and you try to communicate in a calm way and express your opinion in a way that is actually with compassion and kindness and empathy and try to see their perspective too while you're doing mm. it, then I think people warm to you and and they're willing to open up and listen to other ways of thinking and i think that's that's something that's kind of i think is quite interesting it can be really productive yeah yeah if if everyone was to live like that wouldn't it be great yeah we wouldn't have all these big arguments i love that you call this a cup cup of happy is it cup of happy (laughs) i know i don't know why we came up with that just a little bit of happy i kind of wanted people to feel um i don't know maybe to learn something because i can't really teach them anything but people that we've had on very intelligent like yourself Nitin. um so maybe people can like learn a few bits about how the brain works and um the psychology of happy and 
how much sadness do we need to feel happiness? You know, because we do need some, you know, things like that can help. And I Mm. figured I'm on the bloody lockdown. I can't do my gigs. And my job is to make people feel good. So I'm just doing it in a different way. I'm trying to. So I hope everyone listening is feeling interested and happy. (laughs) (laughs) Or very, very confused. (laughs) Probably very, very confused. Yeah. Yeah. So, so well, thank you so much for um, coming on my little podcast. No, it's an absolute pleasure. It's so nice to see you, Joss. It's always nice Hello. to see you. Yeah, brilliant. You take it's care lovely. of yourself and talk to you soon. I will. Talk to you soon, love. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Nitin. Well, that was fun. What an amazing human he is and so humble. Nitin's new single, Lifeline, is out now. So do give it a listen. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend. Thanks so much to our producers, Rich Woolen and Sam Brown at Fascinate Productions. And of course, to all of you lovelies for listening in. Catch you next week. Take care. I'd like to thank Walida. They are our sponsors for this podcast. They make beautiful, beautiful products in a beautiful, beautiful way. Did you know that Walida's iconic skin food range is a cult beauty staple? One tube of the original Walida skin food is sold every 16 seconds. One of my favourite products, you'll be surprised to learn, is actually Walida's men's moisture cream. I left my moisturising cream down in the kitchen and my lovely Cody had left his men's moisture cream on the side. And oh, oh, I loved it. It's so good. So guys, get involved. Your girlfriend may steal it from you, but so what? At least you'll all be moisturised. It'll be nice. You can learn more about Walida at walida.co.uk. Check it out. All right, on with our show.